Schäfer. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley. I see all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow is the comfort, in trouble is the strength. He tells me every care of him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He all my grief has taken. And all my sorrow more In temptation eat my strong and mighty tire I have offered him forsaken And all my idols torn From my heart and now he keeps me by his fire Oh, 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 forsake me And save me sore Through Jesus I shall save me to go Turn over one page to 
196. Oh! 
stand again, page 393. I've got a special prayer request that I need you to help me pray about. 
But uh, let me mention these things. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be having a baptism here after the morning service. So if you need to be baptized, please talk to me about it. Uh, the Jewish lady, Sydney, who got saved just a couple of Sundays ago, she's going to be getting baptized. Her husband's going to be getting baptized. I think Aiden is going to uh, get baptized. Aiden got saved the other day, so he's going to be baptized. I'm going to hold Aiden down until the last bubble comes out. Amen. And uh, we'll get all these baptized. But if you need to be baptized, please speak with me about it after tonight's service. And we'll, we'll talk to you more about that. Also, uh, of the first Sunday night of next month will be our youth night. And Brother Carter is going to be bringing the message for us. So you pray for him. And uh, I'm already excited about listening to him. And don't forget our revival coming up on, in April the 16th through the 19th with Brother Bud Stiltner. Please pray for him and the rest of the, we got a lot going on, the rest of the stuff going on. Uh, you can read about it in the bulletin. I've got a special prayer request that I'd like to get the church to help me pray about. Um, Brother Ben Tanner, one of our own, went out and he's pastoring now. What's the name of his church? Fairfield. Fairfield Baptist. Uh, Brother Ben had approached me uh, last year sometime. We bumped into one another and we talked about it then. But he called me and he's wanted me to do a marriage um, seminar, I guess you would call it, uh, this coming weekend. And what they're doing, they're doing it for their church, the couple, the married, married couples in their church. And, uh, and he's asked me to come and what they're doing, they're going to be gathering together Friday night down in Buford at a certain restaurant. They're all going to uh, eat together, all of us will. And it's a kind of a get acquainted uh, meeting and fellowship meeting and get acquainted with those I'm going to be speaking to. And then all day Saturday, three, three separate sessions, I'm going to be bringing messages about the home. And I'd really love for God to use me in that. And, and I, love, I love preaching on the home, marriage, and the family. I, I love that. I found out whenever you preach on the home, you hit home. Because that's where we all live. But I really want us to really bathe this in prayer. I want it to benefit Ben and his people. So I'm going to ask if... Uh, Where's our song, our piano player? Can you play, Roy? Sis, would you? <laughs> Sis, you come, you come play for us. And I want, I'm going to ask the church to gather around with us. And let's pray about this together, that God would richly bless this service and uh, in a special way, and that we'd see God move on the behalf of the, the married couples, that their marriages would even closer together when we get done with this and i would appreciate your prayers with us you play something y'all come gather with me let's pray together pray over the service tonight that god would be with us all
this is one of the songs Mark Wheeler has written. He's uh, written some really good songs that are practical, and I can apply them to my life. And you can always tell a really good songwriter when you you know that he's probably lived what he's singing about, and and that he can feel it. And man, when he saw, when he sung this song the first time I heard it, I thought, "Wow, you know that that's me," and that's. Uh, I see myself a lot in it. I appreciate him doing it. I'll not do it justice from what he could, but I hope you like the song. <clears throat> in the first place, sin met grace was a garden affair. And the Lord was there Grace and sorrow met Sin's great dead Adam, where art thou? It's different now Grace met their sin And love took them in God said to them, it's different now. In the next place, sin met grace on a rugged tree, meant for you and me. Grace and sorrow met sin's great dead Jesus paid the price became the sacrifice grace met man's sin love took us in blood flowed from him it's different now. In my place where sin met grace at an altar there, Jesus heard my prayer. Faith and sorrow met sin's great dead, and I humbly bowed. Oh, it's different now Grace met my sin And love took me in And where sin had been It's different now In the final place, just saved by grace, it's heaven fair. Oh, and the Lord is there. My race is through and sin is too. So I humbly bow and oh, it's different now. Grace met my sin. Love to 
took me in And I look on him And it's different now It's different now. We've got some tremendous gifted people in this church, and I sure appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Brother Ron. Thank our orchestra what they did. I know they put a lot of time and effort in doing things like that, learning the songs and playing them, and sure do appreciate what God's done for all of us. Thank you, Brother Chris. I want to thank the, the guys up there in that upper, upper room up there, too. They do a fabulous job keeping all the services uh, out there and recorded and published and what all they do with all of that stuff, and I sure do appreciate it. We get comments from all over on the messages and toward yeah, the services that we have, and we appreciate Brother Chris and all them up there working so hard the way that they do to make all that work. And I've called on Chris tonight to uh, to help me with this with this message that that he he's going to be showing some things at some time so you just pray for us that we'll all get it synchronized and it'll all work out if it does hallelujah if it don't hallelujah amen. maybe jesus will come somewhere in there amen amen it's good to have brother Derek knight and his family back with us tonight thank you all for being here brother Derek. you pray for him and his family that god would be with them in a special way matthew chapter 12 tonight matthew chapter number 12 We've been dealing on Sunday nights on personal evangelism. That's the thought of this, these series of messages and just trying to, trying to, for different, for different reasons, I guess you would say about it, is trying to educate and equip all of us to be better soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be more ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth in us, uh, at any time, and, and I put this to the church, uh, we've been praying for revival for quite some while and praying that God would uh, do a special work here in all of our hearts and, and even those surrounding the area that God would do a work in this community, that God had reached beyond our walls and do something in this community. There's plenty of sinners still needing to be saved and there's no shortage on sinners at all. And uh, I'm reminded of the, during Civil War, the story was told about they were needing soldiers desperately and didn't have time to train them. And this one fella, he joined up with uh, one of the sides, you know, and, and uh, they didn't have time to train him. They just put him right on the, on the battlefield, right in the thick of it. And uh, at night, the camps would do would rest and all and late one evening here he come and he had had several of the enemy at gunpoint bring them into the camp and uh they said my lands where, where did you all he had was a squirrel gun you know and they said my lands where'd you find all these all these uh the enemy he said the woods are full of them and that's sinners the woods are full of them 
And they're everywhere. There's no shortage on sinners. And we've been given the task and we've been given the opportunity to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ and tell others about being saved. And, I, and I've approached it from this standpoint, trying to, trying to benefit the entire church. What if someone, or let's say several people, at a given service were to scatter themselves across these altars and they needed to be saved? How many of us in this room would be ready to come down here, kneel beside one of them, take our Bibles and show them what they must do to be saved? And uh, trying, to, trying to encourage our hearts, trying to equip us, trying to educate us and help us to be ready at any moment to be used of the Lord to lead someone else to the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang a song tonight, I jotted down the words, won't it be wonderful there? Well, it will be for us, but what about those that are needing to be saved? I think about Brother Charles. He and Jennifer began coming to church. Didn't have any idea that Charles needed Jesus in his life, but he did. One day came right about right in here, wasn't it, Brother Charles, and kneeled down and, and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And his life is, is, been diff is different now, ain't it, Brother Charles? <laughs> Amen, Brother Ron. And that's what Jesus does in anybody's life whenever he saves them. It's different. Their outcome's going to be different for all of eternity. And I want to be a part of that in someone else's life. I want to be a part of leading someone else to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just from the pulpit, but from anywhere, anytime that the Lord wants to use my life. I want to be ready and well equipped. And we're trying to trying to go over some of these things in this manner to try to educate and equip, but also to try to encourage and enlist. We need more in this, in this war. We need more to join up with us. Female, male, it doesn't matter. We need people on both sides of the spectrum to be ready to help lead others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes a woman may come down here and it's not, it's not maybe... It's just not good for a man to come down there and bow with her. And another lady could come and bow down there with her. She would be more comfortable with a lady there by her side. And so we try to, we're trying to equip both sides, women and men, to be soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in, in Proverbs eleven thirty, He that winneth souls is wise. And I'll never forget the article that I read one day, and it, it just had these headlines, Are You Soul Winning or Are You Soul Losing? And that thing just really spoke to my heart, settled in my spirit, and I've carried it with me down through these years now. Of Just that thought, are you soul winning or are you soul losing? I want us to look tonight at Matthew chapter 12. We're doing these, these series to educate and equip, to encourage and to enlist, but also so that we will not be empty and embarrassed when Jesus comes. The Bible tells us, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, it says, And now little children abide in him, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, listen to these words, that when he shall appear... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him and his coming. When Jesus Christ comes back, I don't want to be ashamed of my life. I want to, of course, I, I'm not anything what I should be, but I, I want to strive to be. And I, I don't want to be ashamed when Jesus Christ comes back 
and not being studious in this one aspect of, of Christian living is winning others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that I've managed to convince all of you the seriousness of this issue. It's a very pressing thing, especially in the age in which we're now living. I believe we're living in the last minutes of the last days. And I believe it could be any minute that Jesus would blow the trumpet, he would descend from heaven, and all of us who are saved, we'd be out of here. But what about those who will be left behind, those in our families, those of our friends, those of our co-workers? And we need to be more uh, serious about this matter of being soul winners for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that I've really stressed that upon you about the seriousness of it. We went over last Sunday night of some of the scriptures concerning personal evangelism. And I showed you some things and I'm going to further that tonight uh, of how to mark your Bible and, and show you some things there. But in Matthew chapter 12, just one verse of scripture tonight, I want you to read this and I pray that it'll make an impression on all of our hearts. He said in verse number 30 of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said these words, he said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Powerful words spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me about that? I mean, the thing about Jesus Christ saying those words to his, his crowd, the congregation that was in front of him, and he looks at him and he says, if you don't gather with me, you're scattering abroad. If you're not with me, you're against me. I mean, there's no middle ground with any of this. And, and the Lord expects us to take the Great Commission serious and be, and be good stewards with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been going through those things and looking at those things. And, and the Bible does tell us that we are laborers together with God. And we're in this thing together. He said, we looked at some verses last Sunday night about the harvest being white already under, under reaping. It's ready to be plucked. It's, they're out there. They just need somebody that will care enough and have compassion enough to go and tell them about Jesus Christ. It may be someone in our family who we know who is lost. And we just need to pray that God would give us boldness. Now, family members are some of the hardest to talk to in this respect. And it's just a matter of fact, a matter of our personalities as humans, I guess you would say. It's just hard for us to talk to other family members. They know us, we know them, and sometimes our past may get in the way in, in their eyes or whatever, but family members, what about friends? What about friends that we have in life that we've just acquaintances, maybe on the job, and they just need somebody to talk to them about Jesus Christ, somebody bold enough to open that door. And uh, most of the times that door is not going to open by them. Uh, I have seen that happen at times, but we need to be bold enough to open that door and be willing to talk to someone about eternal things. The person in front of us is either going to spend eternity in heaven or hell, and we need that awareness about us wherever we go. And uh, so anyway, we've been pressing that and just looking at that and some things about it. And Jesus Christ has sent us into the world. We have been personally sent by the Lord Jesus Christ into this world to be soul winners for him. 
Jesus said these words in John 20, verse 21. He said, then said Jesus unto them, and this next word always gets me in this verse. Then said Jesus unto them again, again, again. And he has to remind us over and over and over. Would to God we could hear it one time and have it. But that's just not any of us. And that's why we have meetings Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We go over it again and again. And Jesus said this. Then said Jesus unto them again. Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me. Even so send I you. And that's all of us. That includes every one of us. So the Lord has personally sent us into his harvest and he wants us to be true he wants us to be uh, sober-minded about it and serious-minded about it to where we'll we'll be able to be used by him to win others to the lord jesus christ this past week deborah and i were out together and we had to go tend to some business some personal uh just some personal home business and we were in this this store in this business and we we were changing phone carriers to try to help you understand we were where we were at and the lady helping us i i knew that she was from pakistan because i'd already talked to her and gotten that much out of her and so we kept talking and several times during our talk she mentioned god and so she kept mentioning god and i saw well there's my opportunity right there and we were standing there in front of the lady, and I said, well, ma'am, can I ask you something? She said, yes. I said, who is your God? I said, I noticed several times that you've talked about God. Who is your God? And this was her attitude. She said, well, well, all of our God. And, and so I was just trying to press her with that point of who is your God. And she told us, you know, about Muhammad and all like that. And I said, well, ma'am, we're Christians. We believe in Jesus Christ. She said, well, I believe in Jesus too. And I pressed it even further. I said, well, what do you believe about Jesus? And I just kept pressing that upon her heart. And uh, as it all, the, the store was busy and we didn't, I couldn't, you know, take her off the clock or anything like that. But I kept pressing that point to her and praying that God would use that little interaction that we had and I kept telling her, I said, but we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior of the world. And, and this is her, was her attitude about it. She said, well, uh, that's your culture. This is our culture. And, and God has sent his prophets to help us all make it. And uh, that's, you couldn't be any further wrong than that. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim. It doesn't matter if you're... Even if you claim to be a Christian, he is the only Savior there is for any person in any part of this world. And so we need to, we need to be well equipped. We need to be ready to talk to anybody about the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say some things tonight. Brother Chris, you got those, those slides up with the Bible. Yeah, those first. Somebody told me that this is what they have done to their Bible, and I want to show you this. We've gone over, we've gone over uh, Romans three ten, Romans three twenty three, Romans five eight, Romans six twenty three. It's called the Romans Road. I don't care if you use the Romans Road, the Hebrews Highway, or the uh, Isaiah Interstate. It don't matter to me. I mean, use any of them. 
but just know where to go in your Bible to show somebody. The Romans road is a, a perfectly good road map, if you will, is to show some, someone the truth about us and about Jesus Christ. So if you can remember Romans 3.10 and always go there, then you could mark your Bible out beside. See, that is Romans 3.10, but there's a reference out there by it, Romans 3.23. And so you would know the next verse I'm going to go to is going to be Romans 3.23. So you turn to Romans 3.23, and out there by Romans 3.23, this is Romans 3.23, then you would have Romans 5.8 written down. And you could carry them to then carry them to Romans 5 8. This is Romans 5 8. And then you've got the very next verse that you would go to written down there. And you go through that thing like that and write all of that down. And uh, some of you may want this a little bit later on. And then you go to Romans, uh, th- Romans 6 23, and there's Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13 written down. So you could go there finally. And you could show them the verses of how to be saved out of those verses. Now, I'll give you those verses later. I saw some of you trying to jot it down, and I know you may not have gotten all of it that quickly. But that's just one way you could mark your personal Bible to be, you know, have your Bible ready with you and have it uh, marked to where you would know to go. The individual that showed me that also showed me, I think it was in the back of their Bible, they wrote all those uh, singular verses down in the back of their Bible, and they they had it all right there also in the back of the Bible in case they maybe forgot the very first verse, Romans 3.10, you know, or something like that. But anyway, and this is not a particular order. I mean, you can, in dealing with somebody, God may lead you to be talking about uh, how to be saved first, and then come back and show them why they must be saved. And, you know, you can use any order. This is not anything to do in any particular order. It's just a matter of trying to, to be ready with your Bible to tell others about Jesus Christ. Now I want to say some things tonight and go and just help you with some different scenarios that you might encounter when you meet somebody. And I want to say, number one, when you begin dealing with anyone about Jesus Christ, number one rule, do not, do not get sidetracked. I mean, you're going to have, the devil doesn't like us being uh, witnesses for Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, he'll try to mess up a good thing. He'll try to mess up a good witness. Uh, While I've been trying to witness to somebody, I've had them ask questions, well, Do you think Adam had a belly button? Well, who cares? You know, or where did Cain get his wife? We know Cain ain't never been married. He's sitting right back there, you know. And and just all these silly questions and all that is is a ploy of the enemy to try to get us sidetracked and off of the issue. And the issue is Jesus Christ and their relationship with him. So don't get sidetracked. Don't. Don't let, don't let the devil get you into all this offbeat stuff. Stay on the mark of winning somebody to Jesus Christ. Then the second thing, keep the vision. Keep the vision. They, they may not have the vision, but you have the vision that they're going to get saved. You have that vision for them, whether they do or not. You keep that vision. For the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. 
And you keep that vision in your heart. Keep that hope in your heart that they're going to get saved. Most of, most of the time they won't get saved. But you keep the vision that this person needs Jesus Christ. They need to be saved. And keep that vision down in your spirit and, and keep that hope deep within you that they're going to get saved. So, number one, don't get sidetracked. Number two, you keep the vision in your spirit. And then uh, don't, don't just stop short of anything. Don't just take their word for it. Uh, give you an example. Uh, ask somebody, are you saved? Oh, yes, I'm saved. Everybody will tell you that. More than likely, very few people that you'll ever bump, bump into and ask them that question and say, oh, no, I'm going to die and go to hell. Very few are those responses. Most people would tell you, oh, yes, I'm saved. Don't stop right there. Press it a little bit further. Well, when did you get saved? What are you trusting to save you? How did you get saved? And go, go a little bit deeper with it and, and press that point with them and get them to give you their testimony of being saved. And listen to it. A lot of times people I say, are you saved? Oh, yes. Well, when did you get saved? Well, I got baptized. You know something's wrong when people talk like that. Or I joined a church. Or I'm a pretty good person. When people talk like that, you know that you're there for a reason. You know that you're, the, you're being put there by God for a given reason to help them into the truth so that they won't go to hell over a baptism. Amen. So press the point with don't stop short. A man was at my, our home earlier this week and uh, he was a, a black man and he was in our home doing some work. And I asked him, I said, do you know Jesus Christ? He said, oh, yeah, I know him. I said, well, what do you know about him? And he went on to tell me what he said. Well, he died for all of our sins. He's the Savior. I said, well, is he your Savior? And see, press that thing a little bit further with them. Just keep, just keep making them give you more and more answers and pinpoint them on are they truly saved? Because like I said, most people would tell you, yes, I'm saved. I mean, you ask young people, you ask older people, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. And they've got some idea in their mind. Well, the Lord saved me from a wreck one time. And they've got all these def definitions of the word saved in their mind. Well, the Lord saved me from uh, cancer one time. Or the Lord saved me from heart trouble one time. And, and you ask them that question. They've got all kind of ideas go bouncing around in their hearts. And they'll, they'll tell you the truth about it when they give you an answer. So you listen to them. Whenever they give you a response, and then you'll know whether they're really saved or not by the response that they give. Somebody asked me, and, and watch for this, if it makes somebody irritated that you ask them. If they get mad because you ask them, you know something's wrong. Uh, I've, nobody's ever made me bad by asking me, well, they did when I was lost. But since I've been saved, ain't nobody ever asked me if I was saved. That made me mad. I'm glad that they asked me. And I commend them for it. And that's been a few times throughout my life also. That people have uh, witnessed to me. And asked me if I was a Christian. If I was saved. And I'm thankful for those who will ask you that question. So look for things. Listen for things. Whenever somebody gives you a response. 
about are you saved, that personal question is kind of like when Jesus, when Jesus asked them, said, well, who are men saying that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some are saying this, some are saying that. Then he looked at him and he said, but who do you say? And see, make it personal between them and Jesus Christ and make them give an answer that will be revealing. Another thing, let me encourage you to do this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think sometimes fear keeps us from being a witness. For We're afraid to, if we say something, they may not like it. Well, what are they going to do? Take an Uzi and blow it? <laughs> they might, but I mean, <laughs> no, they won't. Uh, what, what are they going to do? They're going to punch your lights out or, or something like that? I mean, what are they going to do? Where, how mad are they going to get? And some have said, well, I, I don't want to make them mad. I might push them away. Where are you going to push them? They're already going to hell. They're already condemned. Where, there's not a hell number two. I mean, I mean what, what are we going to push them to? Push them away from what? Hell? Maybe so. Maybe we will. But a lot of people are afraid to be a witness for Jesus Christ because we've heard that line so many times where we might push them away. No, you're not. They're already away. They're already on their way to eternal death and eternal damnation. We cannot push them away but to anything good. Push them to Jesus Christ. Push them to heaven. Push them into the gates of, of pearl. I mean, that's a good thing. Can I get a witness right there? So don't be afraid. Pray, pray personally that God would give you boldness to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says this, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. It said, And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. The early church was faced with a lot of persecution. you talking about persecution. The Jewish people did not want to hear the name of Jesus Christ and, and they, would, they would come against them and they would beat them and throw them in jail. And they were praying, Lord, give us boldness that with all boldness we may speak your word in our generation. And how we need that in this generation, we all need the boldness of the Spirit of God to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. God did answer that that prayer for them in verse 31 of Acts chapter 4 it says this it says and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness so God is interested in giving you boldness he will manifest boldness to you give you boldness in your life to be a witness for Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 it said these words, according to my earnest expectation, my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so that Christ might be magnified in my body. He said, I want to be bold. Paul wanted that bold persona about him whenever he witnessed for the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's, here's one thing. Get out of your comfort zone. Us American Christians are so prone to get comfortable. And when we find that comfortable place, we like hanging there. We don't like to get out of it. I mean, we're all creatures of habit. I can tell you where every one of y'all are going to sit whenever y'all come to church. 
I mean, we've all got our little spot marked out, and, and woe be if anybody sits in our spot. Amen. And we're just creatures of habit, and when we get in that comfort zone, we get lazy on God, and we're not, we're not ready. We're not willing and ready to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So get out of your comfort zone in this issue of being a witness for Jesus Christ. Then I want to say this. If you take your Bible and lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ, they bow their knees and they call on Jesus Christ and say, Lord, save me. Then you want to be able to give them verses of assurance. John 3.16 is one of the greatest verses you could ever tell anybody and give them in, in assurance. Insurance. It is insurance. Give them assurance. John 3.16 is one of the greatest verses for God so loved the world that they gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that includes you, whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish. You're not going to go to hell, but have eternal life. And show them that. That's, that's a verse for assurance. Show them 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. Debbie always uses this verse when she's personally witnessing to somebody She'll go there even in, even in her exchange of trying to lead somebody to Jesus. She'll use 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And you just heard me quote that verse. It would not, it would not hurt any of us to learn how to to memorize scripture and be able to quote scripture to people that we're talking to. I want to, I want to show you this. This is a little something that, uh, that I get about every Sunday. I get a little, a little drawing and a little wheel. He's, he's taken to drawing. He's going to, he's going to wind up being a Picasso and I'm going to have some of his early drawings and I'll be a rich man. But little Will, every Sunday, he'll come to me and he'll give me a little drawing that he's drawn. And he's got a picture of me behind a pulpit and even got the baptistry and all like that behind me. But on this piece of paper while I was preaching, he was listening to what I was saying and, and the verses, and he wrote these verses down. But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, you ought to see how he's got all this spelled is precious. But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happier ye, and be not afraid of their terror, and on and on and on. And I got to thinking, I thought, you know, there he is. He's wrote those verses down, and it's on this paper. But those verses are getting in his heart. That's the most important thing. And one of the ways that can help, help us memorize Scripture is writing it down. I can... I can uh, read something and I can basically get it, but if I write it down, I mean, it just does something inside your, it, it locks it in there and you'll have more success in being able to memorize some things like this if you'll write it down. So, once they're saved, tell them this, tell them this, go tell somebody else. You go tell somebody that you're saved. And if they're saved, they'll want to tell somebody. The other day, whenever, <clears throat> I can't, Sydney, I can never remember her name. The other day when Sydney got saved, I said, Sydney, the best thing you can do is tell your husband now. And, uh, 
And, and look, she did. She told Bobby, and Bobby texted me that afternoon. He said, man, he said, and he was praying for her that she'd get saved. He knew she was Jewish, knew she had been raised by an, in an Orthodox Jewish home. And, uh, and she told me, she said, she said, I feel like if I get saved that I'm turning my back on all that I've been taught in life. I said, oh, no, ma'am. You won't be turning your back on it. You'll be fulfilling all you've been taught all your life. I said, Jesus Christ, uh, he, he's the fulfillment of everything you've been, been taught in life. And so she got saved, and I said, now you need, to, you need to tell your husband, tell your children, tell. I said, if you have liberty, tell your dad. Sometimes Jewish people, it's hard on Jewish people telling their family that they got saved. They'll X them out of the family. They'll hold, so I've even known of some of them holding a mock funeral just denouncing them totally from the family altogether. But teach them to be bold. Matter of fact, confessing it is part of salvation. That's telling somebody else that you got saved. And tell them this. Tell them to tell somebody else, but tell them this. I'm so thankful that my pastor who led me to the Lord told me this in the very beginning of my, my salvation experience. He said, write this date down. Write this date down. He said, this will be a precious uh, memory for you all your life if you'll write this date down. And y'all have heard me enough to say it. Y'all know it by heart. November 21st, 1982. I've said that for 22 years around here. And uh, that's just a date in your life. Now, listen, some people may not know the date. Don't get me wrong in that. uh, Because maybe somebody didn't even tell you to write the date down or anything like that. Maybe you, you were very young and, and don't remember the exact date. The, the most important thing is you knowing there was a day that you got saved, that Jesus Christ forgave you of all your sins, and you got saved and you were a different person from that day forward. That's the most important thing. And I want you to know, Brother Chris, I'm not going to do the others. Uh, okay, yes, I am. Chris said I am. We'll do the others. Huh? Okay, that's fine. Now look, look at this. I, this is good for all of us. This is even good for Christians to understand and remember now. We, put, we rest our faith on God's facts. We, this is important for every. I've been thinking about just working on a sermon on fact, faith, and feelings. Because sometimes even as saved people, us that have been saved for years and years and years, we get up and we don't feel saved and we wonder, oh no, you know, if I've done something wrong and we get to having these doubts and going through all of this. But listen, our foundation of our faith is this book. Nothing else. That's where your faith is placed is in the book of God. That is the foundation for our salvation. I know I'm saved because of what this book says. I told Sister Sue the other night, we were talking about things like this. And I told her, I said, I'll never forget preaching a camp meeting up here. This before we ever moved up here. I was preaching a camp meeting up here. And, uh, and the pastor, the host pastor of the camp meeting, his wife was having struggles with, with salvation. She was having doubts with it and all like that. And we were preaching that camp meeting. It was right in the dead of August. It was up under a tent in North Hill, uh, Georgia. And uh, 
it was hot. It, I mean, we were having to change clothes right after every service. We'd be just sopping wet with sweat. And I'll never forget one night that pastor's wife got up and she was holding her Bible like this up to her bosom. And she was standing there like this, just weeping and crying. She said, I've been struggling with this uh, all, all for the last longest. And she said, I'm going to put my faith in what this book says. I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm not going to trust. And she said these words. She said, if I die and go to hell, I'm going to die and go to hell trusting Jesus Christ. Why? Because that book is our foundation for being saved, for knowing that we're saved. It's that book. It's not any feeling that we get. And this is important for all of us to understand, and we need to be able to, to help other people with this also. Go to the next one, Brother Chris. Faith rests on the Word of God. But then once we have faith in what the Word of God says, feelings will follow. We were, this past Wednesday night, we were studying together out of the book of Acts, and we got on a, a thought, and that thing got, it got good to me, and I got, I got a little excited about it, and I was, I was getting a good feeling. Why? Because of what the facts were saying. My faith was trusting the facts, and I was getting happy about it, and I was just getting, I was getting so excited about what I, I was talking about out of the book of Acts, the facts of Acts. Oh, that, hallelujah, I'm about to get a bubble right there, amen. But we got to put our trust in the book, the foundation. The Bible says that faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. So our foundation is that. We rest our faith on that, then the feelings come. But go to the next one, Brother Chris. Don't ever try to put your faith on your feelings. There's days that I wake up, I don't even feel saved. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, you give me a, you give me a, a preacher's Monday morning. Oh, my Lord. I, every preacher is ready to resign on Monday morning. Every preacher goes through that, that blue Monday preacher syndrome. And there's days that I wake up, I don't feel saved whatsoever. But I'm not basing on how I feel to know that I'm saved. I'm basing on what that book says. And this is, and people that I've, I've adopted, or not adopted, I guess I just came up with it. People ask me, Brother John, how you doing? And I'll say this, well, I woke up saved. Whether I feel like it or not, I woke up saved. Why? Because of the keeping power of Jesus Christ in my life, keeping me saved. Thank God it ain't feelings. You deal with them too. And our feelings can make it just like that and it'll get unstable. We'll wobble on the axis and, and our faith will begin faltering and falling. By, why? Because we're putting our faith in our feelings rather than the facts of what the scriptures say. I hope this has been a help to you tonight. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. I hope that you've learned some things, maybe been encouraged and emboldened by it. And I pray that, I pray that this entire church will become, I pray that we'll get a reputation in this, in this community of being bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. I remember when I first moved up here, there was a certain church in this, in this uh, surrounding area. And they had a reputation. They said, I don't care uh, who it is or where you're at. If you bump into one of their members, they're going to talk to you about Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be a good reputation for Merville Baptist Church to have? 
to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. Let's all stand tonight. Sis, would you come to the piano? Once, I, once somebody gets saved, this is what I always recommend to them. I always recommend to them, I say, start praying. Start talking to Him. And I think the earlier they begin a prayer life with Jesus Christ, the better off that their, their lives will be as a child of God. There's so many things that we can tell them about the first baby steps after they get saved. Start praying. Start talking to them. And I've had people say, well, I, I don't really know how to talk. I don't need, I'm 20, I'm, I've been saved since 1982, and I still don't know how to talk to him at times. But I talk to him. I mean, it's not, it's not proper etiquette that we're looking for. It's just start talking to him. Build a relationship with Jesus Christ. Start talking to him. Start reading your Bible. Get baptized. Join a good uh, Bible-believing church. Just get involved in the things of God. And that's what we need to be willing to do for other people.